where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. Good morning. Testing. Good morning again. How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, um, just want to say thank you guys for uh, coming to worship with us today. We truly are grateful that you chose to be here. Uh, And don't think for one bit that we don't appreciate your effort to come and worship with us. Uh, To those of you watching online, we appreciate you tuning in and pray that today uh, God breaks some chains, that some people are set free, that we realize or come to the realization that we have a loving, caring, and a wonderful God. Amen? So having said that, let's pray. God, we thank you for how you love us. We thank you, God, for your glory and your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Our Father, we pray today, right here, right now, God, that you would move me out of the way. Father, hide me behind the cross. Speak through me today, God. God, as we deal with topics that are sensitive in our time, God, I pray that eyes and hearts are open, minds are open, God, to see through the lenses of compassion and love and not judgment. Father, we thank you for this, this, this gift of life. We thank you for the opportunity to, to stand on this stage, to worship in this auditorium, God, because we serve a loving and wonderful God. God, may our worship not just be in the songs we sing, but, Father, how we live our lives in reverence to you. God, you're good. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you did on the cross. You took our place, and we are forever grateful. We love you, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Again, just want to say thank you guys for for being here today. And in case you did not know, we have just entered into a very, very special month of the year. Um, You know, in 1975, this month in 1975, a child was born to the parents of Lawrence and Martha Thompson uh, in uh, Lafayette County, at the time, Lafayette County Hospital, you know. So yeah, this is my birthday month, so it's a very special month. And look, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, all that stuff. Nah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But really, if <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying, if you feel, you know, led to give, you know, we, we welcome all gifts, you know. Seriously, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But I remember one year, um, a friend and I, we shared a birthday together. And we decided we wanted to uh, party together, have a party together for our birthday. And so we did a lot of planning and we did a lot of uh, getting ready for this party. And I believe the week of the party, I did something to get in trouble. I think, you know, just imagine that me getting in trouble. 
Come on now. Uh, but I did something to get in trouble. I think it was something at school, made a bad grade or something. And guess what my punishment was from my mom? I can't go to the party. Man, and I begged mama. I was like, will you please just let me go to the party? I want to go to the party. You know, because just think of the embarrassment of not being able to go to your own birthday party. That would have been bad. That would have been bad. And so my mom did something that I think about to this day. She said some words to me that I reflect on to this day. She said, I tell you what, I will let you decide if you deserve to go to the party or not. May seem ir irrelevant, but what she was trying to do was teach me some responsibility, teach me how to be a moral and respectful person. You know, owning up to my mistakes, suffering the consequences to my mistakes. But what did I do? Of course, I chose to go to the party. Why? Because that's what I wanted. That made me feel good. That was my desire. I wanted to go to the party. And that haunts me to this day because I know I broke my mother's heart. She never said it, but I know I did it. And you may be asking yourself, how is this even relevant to what we're discussing in the text today? Well, you'll see. At time, on three separate occasions, and I want you to see the pattern that happens, that man was faced with a decision. And then man chose what pleased him. Which in turn led for this man, for, for man to suffer and live the consequences of the decisions that were made. And so we will pick back up in Romans chapter one. Uh, last week, Fish preached 18 through 24. But I want to go back just a little bit because I want to set this thing up so you can see the pattern that I, uh, I mentioned. So if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter one, beginning in verse 21. So here's the first part of this pattern. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew who God was. They knew who God was, but they chose not to believe who God was. They chose not to accept God for who he was. And what happens? Their mind was darkened. They became futile in their thinking. They gave themselves over to pointless philosophies and speculations uh, of other gods and lost the capacity to think clearly. One theologian says, light rejected is light denied. Meaning, they chose, those who chose not to see lost the ability to see. Those who rejected God and chose not to see God who, for who he was lost the ability, the capacity to see who God really is. Does that make sense? Because they chose not to. Verse 22 says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And I want you to see this. 
they grew more and more conceited over their own way of thinking and self-knowledge that they plunged deeper into ignorance and nonsense, which are two things that always characterize people who reject the knowledge of God. So they became ignorant and believing nonsense. And they got deeper and deeper into that because they rejected who God was. They rejected the knowledge of God. They could no longer see who God was and understand who God was. Because they rejected him. That's the first part of this pattern. Let's go to verse 23. Verse 23 says this. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. One theologian said, you become the idol you worship. You become like the idol you worship. And so they are rejecting the true and living God and start worshiping idols. This is the second thing. And look what, look what God allowed to happen to them in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Man instinctively is religious and must have some object to worship. When they refuse to acknowledge and worship the true and living God, they make their own gods. And I have a question. Have you made a God in your life other than the true and living God? What God have you made other than creator God, father God? Have you allowed idolatry to cause you not to be able to see who God is? Have you allowed idolatry to lead you away or cause you to be disconnected from that which gives life. And we know that when we are disconnected from that which gives life, that in itself is death. Here's the third part. Verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Listen to what the punishment was. And this is the area of scripture that we reach a very sensitive topic where we reach an area of scripture that has been so argued over and debated and twisted and, and made to fit certain arguments or what have you. But I'm here today standing on this stage to tell you I'm not here to win an argument. I am here to give you the word. And pray and, and just know that my heart's desire is, is, is to give you the word, not in judgment, but in compassion and love and a desire to see people come to a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my only purpose. That's my only mission here today. 
It's not to judge anybody or beat anybody over the head or anything like that. It is to give you God's word. And we see the results of idolatry. We see what happens when we allow idolatry to linger and to fester in our lives. It leads us away from God and we fall into certain things that are not healthy for us. One theologian called it, we move from idolatry to depravity. And look what happens when they over and over again rejected God. We see their minds have been made uh, darkened. Their hearts have been messed up. And now look at their bodies. Look what happens to their bodies. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable, honorable passion for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Because of their rejection of God and the truth about him, we now see them move from idolatry to depravity and sex become a God. And when sex becomes a God, lust reigns. And when lust reigns, it opens you up to all types of depravity, broken homes, broken relationships, unplanned and unwanted pregnancies, STDs, so on. And it says women exchange natural relations for those that are un natural, meaning that they chose a way that God didn't intend. And then you have people, well, that's how I feel. I, I was made this way. That's me. I've known this since I was a little child. This is me. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. And even if you have those feelings, does not mean you have to submit to them. Does not mean you have to submit to them. Let's say I uh, had this overwhelming desire to become an alcoholic. Does that mean I have to? And people will say, no, that's just me. That's just the way I am. You know, I was made this way. Let me tell you something. God, when God made man, he said it is very good. Scripture tells us we are made in his image and in his likeness. And what God has called sin is sin, regardless of how we try to twist it to fit our narrative or just because somebody we know and love, maybe a friend or maybe a loved one is involved in this type of lifestyle. We do not have to ignore God's scripture because we see what happens when we reject God. He takes his hands off. And when God takes his hands off, then we are allowed or we are made available or we are open to living the consequences of our decisions. When he takes his hands off. Look at verse 27. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. There are, there are some that say 
what Paul is making mention is um, a term by the, by, called pederasty. And that's a practice where adult men, usually married, would... I have no other way to say this, than, but then just to say it, they would have sex with little boys. That was something that was practiced in the Greco-Roman culture back then. And they're saying Paul is speaking against this. And there are some that say, well, it is unnatural for a heterosexual person to have homosexual relations, but it's not natural, it's not unnatural for a homosexual person to do these things. But according to scripture, it is unnatural regardless if you call yourself hetero or homosexual. That's scripture. That's not me. That's scripture. And I get it. I get it. We like to take scripture and we like to twist it and manipulate it to fit our narrative. Hey, I, man, I guarantee you, if I wanted to find scripture to support biblical basket weaving, I bet you I can. Remember Moses? How did he get in the river? How did he get to where, hey, a basket was made. But here's the thing. This is scripture. Again, I am not attacking anybody or trying to read an or win an argument. I'm just giving you God's word. And that's it. And here is the risk we run when we allow ourselves to get so far away from God and so deep in depravity, I want you to see the outcome of what happens. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And I want you guys to pay attention to this unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strike, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's a lot. You open yourself up to all these things when you reject God and are allowed to be turned over to a debased, corrupt, reprobate mind. Again, I pray you guys hear my heart in this. This is not an attack. This is scripture. Every theologian or every commentary I read came to this conclusion. You can tell how deep in depravity a society has come when they legalize sin. Out of all those things I've mentioned, does that sound like us? We are seeing the results of us trying to remove or live a life separate from God. And God is like, ah, right, you, you want to live independent of me? Here you go. And you take the consequences that come with it. 
We are seeing today the results of us removing God from everything or attempting to remove God from everything. Because here's the thing, if we admit God is real and that God exists, then we are morally responsible to obey him. But if I can prove God doesn't exist, if I can prove that there's some other or there's some other thing that's given us life, then God doesn't exist. And then if God doesn't exist, I can do what I want. I can live how I want to with no conviction, with no judgment. But if God is real, I'm responsible for obeying him. Regardless if you believe in God or not, there is a moral code written on your heart to tell you what's right and wrong. Here's the heartbreaking thing. In verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Those who abuse and pervert sex and practice the other sins listed above have an innate knowledge that these things are wrong and deserving death, which, God, God's, which is God's verdict. They try to rationalize or legalize sins. In fact, they unite with each other to promote them. What is that saying? Again, they try to eliminate God. They try to rationalize it. Well, God, it's okay. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. But did you not go back to verse 25, please? Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passion. Why? Because they rejected him. They turned their backs on him. Verse 27 says this. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. That receiving in themselves the due penalty. Many theologians say this. They said, um, as a result, that act took a toll on their bodies and their soul. Disease, guilt, and personality deformities struck them like the sting of a scorpion. God allowed that because they chose to reject him. Guys, hear my heart. My prayer right here, right now, is that you not reject God. Regardless of what life you've lived up until this point. If it's a lifestyle unpleasing to God, he gave you a way out. His name is Jesus. He gave you a way out. He gave you an opportunity. Say, God, I messed up. 
God, I've been wrong. God, I've been prideful. God, I've been selfish. I chose to please myself instead of pleasing you. And he gave you a way out. God, I'm coming to you right now. Give me Jesus. You do not have to stay. And let me make this point absolutely clear. Just because this is not your sin, don't sit there with your arms folded and your nose in air like, hey, I told you, no, because their sin comes from the same place your sin comes from. This little thing right here. Regardless if it's homosexuality, adultery, lust, greed, any of that stuff, anything that is, un, that is contrary to God's character. This might not be your sin, but I guarantee you, you got some sin. And have no place to judge anyone else. We like to do that. We love to do that. Just because somebody is dealing with a sin different from ours, we think we're better. Oh, we love to point out other people's faults. We love to point out the mess that other people are in. See, I, I told you you were wrong. We love winning arguments, don't we? I, I told you you were wrong. I was right. It's not about you being wrong or right. It's about you communicating and loving through the compassion and the lenses of Scripture. God didn't put us here to beat people up. He put us here to lead people to a loving relationship to him. And we wonder why the church is so weak right now because we've sat down and we pointed fingers and we hadn't actively loved like the Bible calls us to love. And I'm not just saying this church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. It's time for us to stop sitting down and pointing fingers and start loving people and showing them the thing you say you believe. Show the love you say you believe in. Does that make sense? And so I ask you again today, what God have you put before the true and living God. That's a question only you can answer. Do not let idolatry linger in your life. One of the hardest things but yet the healthiest thing I've ever done is to look at myself in the mirror and admit all the crap I am, all the bad things, I, all, the, all the things about me I don't want to know or I don't, I don't like. But you know what that led me to? That led me to understanding how much I need Jesus. Does that make sense? So again, my, my, my mission here today was not an attack. My, my mission here today is to lead you to a loving relationship with Jesus, regardless of what your sin is. We saw it in Scripture. When we allow idolatry to linger, 
we open ourselves up to lust. And when lust becomes God, when lust reigns, we open ourselves up to all manners of immorality. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality, murder, deceit, strife, maliciousness. There's over 20-something sins that Paul listed that God allowed because they rejected him. Do not reject God. As we prepare ourselves to enter into this time of communion, did anybody, did everybody get a communion pot? If not, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want you to take a real hard look at yourself. Nobody else. Don't worry about nobody else's sin. Don't worry about nobody else's life. God, have I rejected you? What God have I put before you? And I want you to make a commitment today that you will remove any idols from your life that will hinder you from giving God your all, that will hinder you from allowing God to come in and, and, and lead you the way he wants to take you. Scripture says, on that night, Jesus sat with his disciples and he told them, I will not eat or drink with you again until I come into my kingdom. Says he took the bread and he lifted it towards heaven. And he prayed, Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your love for us. God, and we pray that you forgive us of our sins, forgive us for how we failed you. God, we pray that you bless this bread. Let it be a reminder of the sacrifice made to buy us back from the bondage of sin. God, we love you. and We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. He said, take it and eat. Scripture said he did likewise with the fruit of the vine. God, this represents your blood, the blood that was shed for us, the blood that covers us, the blood that renews us, the blood that sets us free, the blood that gives us life, the blood that wipes away our sins, the blood that connects us to you. God, we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Take it and drink. Guys, as we enter into this time of response, as Fish always says, you know, this represents the altar. Regardless of how long you've been running, doesn't matter. 
How long you been fighting? How long you been dealing with that, that sin or that burden? You can give it to God right now. You can be set free from it right now. He's waiting. Arms open, heart open. He is waiting. Don't, don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about what people will say. Because this is your life. This is your soul. This is your eternity. If there's something you want God to set you free from, don't leave here. Don't leave this place without surrendering to him. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for how you love us. Father, we pray that nothing was said here contrary to your word, contrary to your will for us. God, we love you. Just thank you for what you did for us, God. Forever grateful. God, we know that this world is dark. We know there's so many things we have to deal with, so many things we have to fight, so much darkness, so much sin. But God, we know that your sun still shines. God, it's our prayer that you would set us free today. God, move things out of our way. God, even if the thing you got to move is me. Continue to lead us, continue to guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.